Thank you very much. I hope I said your name correctly. Um, I think I might do that as I come to the end of the message. If you see me start going like this, that means it's about over. No. <laughs> Just all these Chinese students, you don't get to see them here, but they're in that section up in the balcony. We're so thrilled to be a part of ministry with you. And I was really impressed when we sang that song in Sai, saying that in Chinese. I was just, um, I was thinking to myself how often you have to listen to me speak and try and keep up with my quick words. It would probably be so helpful if you had the words all in English. Um, but you guys are amazing and we're so grateful. So thank you. Uh, I'm really excited as we come to the end of this series on prayer and, and what I specifically wanted to do is we've been talking about seeking God and then hearing God and and last week kind of talking about conversing with God and this week I want to talk about speaking forth God which sounds like a very interesting to talk about what does it mean to speak forth God who has the, the the gall to do that who would be maybe arrogant enough to say I'm telling you what I sense God saying I listened to a Bible teacher Beth Moore who some of you are aware of and have listened to her teaching. She did a teaching Children of the Day, and I heard this about, I don't know, it was four years ago or whenever it was that she was doing this teaching. And she came to this passage of Scripture we're going to look at today, and she said, all my life I've grown up in a in a setting where it came to certain spiritual gifts, and I was what was called a cessationist. I just believed they ended and they were for a time in, in the book of Acts. And, and she said, I have to share with you through both study and through experience and through the conviction of God... I have come to a place where I have an understanding that is different about those gifts. And she said it's not even so much that um, some churches will say, which is I I grew up in this tradition where we would say, yeah, those spiritual gifts are are true for today, but never were experienced or we didn't even talk about them in the church until I had some experiences in through my own study of scripture came to a place where I saw how important they were. And so Beth Moore gives these what I call diagnostic questions. She says, have you ever known things before you could not have naturally or even humanly known? Have you ever had a person speak to you seemingly out of the blue about things they could not have naturally known? And that happened to me about a number of years ago, and I'd love to share this story, but I don't have time. How God used that. Has God ever used you to speak something to someone that you had not planned to say? about something you could not have humanly known, and it came at a time you could have not planned. Have you ever been under the effective sermon or teaching, and you have, no, anyway, have you ever been under effective sermons or teaching when suddenly a portion of it hits you with such force that you know that God was speaking directly to you? And as you're sitting there, you're wondering, as your face is getting hot and your temperature is rising and you're really kind of sweating a little, you're, you, have you ever, you're kind of thinking, everyone is looking, must be looking at me because this is about me. Have you ever heard a corporate message that had such unusual power and authority that you and many others were merely pinned to your chair? Have you ever prayed about something in the morning and a word or a phrase surfaces in your mind and just kind of catches there? Or you're reading the word of God and a word or a phrase catches your attention. It's kind of an unusual phrase or word. You just wouldn't maybe 
usually think about it or it wouldn't land on you that way. But later in the course of the day, it comes up again and you know it was beyond coincidence. You know God is speaking you about something. And have you ever had a moment when a person shared a few words with you? Maybe a note, maybe came in a card, an email, text, or it was through a time of prayer or in a conversation with them. And the words spoken, it may have been just a phrase or a sentence or two, had such weight and depth and authority that it felt like God was speaking directly to you. A few weeks ago, I met with a friend who is in his early 30s. He's single. Uh, used to be in one of my guys' groups. He has been attending at another place in the last year or so. And we talked, and, and near the end of the talk, I asked him, I said, how are you doing spiritually? I wasn't really sure what was going on. So I said, well, how is your walk with Christ? And he told me he'd been t- attending a Tuesday night group. It, it was a large group of 20 or 30-somethings, mostly single. And then he looked at me and said, I had this powerful experience. And he said, can I, can I play the tape? I said, what do you mean you have a tape? He said, well, when this person, this younger woman was giving me, or I guess his age, a woman who was giving, younger to me, um, was giving this word, when it came up and said, can I just share with you something that God's placed in my heart for you? One of his buddies took the phone and actually recorded it. And he said, do you want to hear it? And I said, well, for sure, I'd love to. It was just a, maybe about a paragraph so in length. And I listened to it and I, and I just went, man, wow, that just resonates in my heart. And he said to me, I have listened to that 75 times or more. It has spoken so deeply. It was, it was if, he said, it was if God was speaking directly to my heart in this difficult situation I was in. And I've drawn so much encouragement from it. If you have experienced something like that or answered yes to any of the questions, this is what Beth Moore said, above, you have experienced what Paul calls a prophetic word or literally utterance. And that's what Paul is speaking about when we look at this passage of scripture this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm not going to share with you just experiences. I have so many stories. I've been trying to go, Lord, what is important? What when should I share? What shouldn't I share? But if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22, you'll find that in that passage of scripture, Paul gives three do's and then two don'ts. So I'm going to ask you to stand because we're going to read this together. But I want to share with you the three do's. Paul is kind of rattling off some commands at the end, some directives, just boom, 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 like this. And he rattles off these three, which are really about doing this, because when you live in this way, you live in the Spirit. You have the opportunity for the Spirit to dwell in you. And so here are the three do's. Let's say them together. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he kind of just stops, I think, in his heart and his mind as he thinks and considers this Thessalonian church, and I believe the Spirit probably places this in his heart, and he gives two don'ts, because he's concerned about living a Spirit-filled life that you don't, let's read it together, do not quench the Spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Let's pray. 
Father, I ask that you would take these words and that you would allow for these words that are in your holy scripture, the Bible, to speak to us, to have us understand our own life with you more fully, to give clarity and conviction, but to also give us guardrails in which we can, we can run with joy and give thanks and be in a constant state where our hearts are in communication with you. So that the fire of God can be fanned into flame in our hearts, in this congregation's heart, and throughout this community, and throughout the world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. If you note those thoughts that Paul writes from verses 16 to 18, they naturally lead in some ways to his next thoughts because he's talking about what it means. He's outlining what it means to live in the Spirit. People who are living in the Spirit are are joyful. They're not joyful because everything's going well. They're joyful because they know they have a God who will cause all things to work together for good. And, And then he goes on and he says, and they're also open to his voice. They're living with this openness throughout the day where they're, they're in a place where the Spirit can speak to their heart and they can speak to the Spirit and they have a gratefulness about them. They are giving thanks not for everything that's occurring, but they're giving thanks in all that occurs. That's God's will for you to live like this. Living a joyful, open-hearted, thankful life allows God to strike up conversation with you anywhere and anytime so that you can be a vessel filled with the Holy Spirit And you will be in a position to receive God's word in your heart and to be able to speak it forth, speak it forth to someone else. And here's the context that Paul was talking about here. That's why he goes into these next few don'ts. In the context of this church situation, Thessalonians was this church that Paul came to. There was all kinds of opposition, but God did some miraculous things. You can read in the first chapter, the, the word of God was ringing out, and there were, there were spirituals kind of things and gifts that were given. They were speaking prophetically, and those kind of things were happening. But what happened after Paul left was there was confusion and pain because some people were using prophetic words in a way that weren't really from God. And they were beginning to wonder. So Paul is writing in this saying, look, at some people have prophesied or, or spoken forth the fact that Jesus has already come. He goes, that's not true. And so what's happening in the context of Thessalonica is the leaders are beginning to go, well, this is causing problems, so they're almost, they're shutting down this gift. And his response to them is, don't do that. You're quenching the spirit. It actually means you're putting out the spirit's fire. They were like, in a sense, leaders very much trying to follow the Lord. So nothing wrong with that. Seeking to make sure that things don't get out of control. And they were taking like fire extinguishers. That's the way you can look at the word extinguish. It means extinguishing a fire. And they were kind of... It's like when I grew up in the church I grew up in, if you got a little too emotional, it's like... And I had such a hard time understanding that because I thought these very same people would go to a football game or they would go to a a sports event and they'd go nuts. (laughs) And I'm going, the greatest thing that's happened in their life is they've received salvation, forgiveness for their sins, and they're walking with the Spirit of God who gives them power to live this life victorious. And they come on a Sunday. I went to a visit a church last week just because it's good for me to go to other ones and I went to this church and 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 there and it's a younger church and all the people sat up in the front rows 
I think they were excited to come and praise God. I mean, it was all in the front, and it was like they're anticipating just to come and say, God, I can't wait to give you praise. And I thought that was cool. Now, there were people in the, some in the back, you know, because there's reasons people feel that way. And I don't mean that bad either. There's some people come out of some situations where they need to sit so they can feel like they can leave. So I'm just saying, what was I saying? I'm saying this. <laughs> don't extinguish the fire of God. Okay? And be really careful about judging. How's that? I didn't even mean to go there. Okay? So what's happening here is in this church, that's what's going on. What happened in the church in Corinth, where he spends a long time speaking about a spiritual gift called tongues, which means speaking other languages, which I believe in this context that he was speaking is about a prayer language. They were just the opposite. The leaders weren't doing anything. So how do you kind of loosely hold, like, so the work of God as a leader? Gordon Fee, who was a professor at Wheaton years ago when I went there, says, despite the fact that the ministries of the Spirit can be abused in the Christian community, despite the fact that can happen, Paul's own deep appreciation of the central role of the Spirit in individual and corporate life will not allow for correcting abuse by commanding disuse. Rather, the antidote for abuse or misuse or any of those things is proper use. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, use this properly. Don't quench the spirit. And then right following that, what is quenching the spirit? You're despising. You're holding contempt. You're not allowing the freedom of this gift to be used. So what's the proper use? Proper use calls for a proper definition. You may go, so what really is a prophetic utterance or word? And let me tell you, I've done eight hours or so of teaching, or maybe even more on this. So I'm kind of going, how do I bring this all down? So here's one. Definition is important. What is a prophetic word? Proper use means you need to know what it is. I could give you all kinds of ones. There's one in the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary under prophecies that says this. The reception and declaration of a word from the Lord through a direct prompting of the Holy Spirit and the human instrument thereof. Anyway, um... Here's the one I really like, and uh, there's New Testament scholars like Grudem and, and uh, Morris and, and Fee and others that, that kind of cohere with this one. There is a particularness to prophecy. It is a particular word inspired by God given to a particular person or group of persons at a particular moment for a particular purpose. Okay? See that up there. Prophecy, we often think, is telling the, the future, what I call foretelling. That's not the most common use of prophecy, even in the Old Testament. Most of it was forthtelling, speaking to a situation at that time, in that moment, with a particular word from God. It's speaking forth a word that God has placed on your heart. It may be a Bible verse that the Spirit brings to mind. It may be a few words in a note card you write, sometimes not even aware of it. We get caught up on the name prophecy. Well, that's what Scripture calls it. A lot of people do this without even being aware of what God is doing through them. Sometimes he gives a word. I've had that happen many times. I was preaching just a few weeks ago, and I was going along, and I was moving into the second point, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go back and talk briefly about this and I did 
And I'm kind of wrestling him. You don't know what goes on in my heart when I'm up here. I'm wrestling with, okay, I'll go back. And I, I went back and just spent a moment talking about that, you know, the Lord's Prayer and how he's a God who, who we want to make. You know, he's great. He's a great dad. We want the world to know he's a great dad. And how when he provides for us and he forgives us so we can forgive others and how he guides us, you can play. And I just talked for just a second about play and then went back. Second point, after the service, someone comes up to me and goes, you know, I can tell you, I can distill your message down into about a sentence. I thought, wow, that would be great. You would all love that, wouldn't you? (laughs) You should speak. Um, uh, And I was expecting the person to tell me something about a couple of the main points. And they referred to that specific thing. That's in the moment, the spirit of God applies it to my heart. I have to be obedient and I have to speak it forth. And he knew someone needed to hear that. Particular, let me give you another one, another illustration. Um, some of you know Dory, who is in our church here. She's actually going to have her 90th birthday here soon. You know, some of you may not even be aware of this, but it was, in, it was probably seven, eight years, probably eight years ago. Dory was praying in that room. I was walking by doing something. It was during the week, and she stopped me and said, Pastor, I, I just, I believe I have to share this with you because it keeps happening to me. I said, what? Well, we were at that point in the search for a community small groups pastor. And we actually put a search team together. And we were looking outside for someone with seminary training and all this other stuff. And she said to me, I keep praying about this. Every time I pray about it, I can't, I, I start to say, like, he, and the word comes up, they. And that keeps happening. And then eventually, I, she said, I'm, I'm praying, and I see this couple, and, and they like to play games, and people love them, and all this stuff, and... I thought, in my heart, I thought, the only person I know like that are Steve and Shelley McHenry. And so I went to the elders, which is really a good thing to do, and I said, you guys, and I didn't even share with them at first, I just shared this story, and I said, I want us to pray about it, and what do you think? Across the board, everyone kind of agreed. And at that time in church, you have to understand, when all that elder board agreed, that was a huge deal. And we weren't even thinking. We had to actually shut down the search team. And there was even a little bit, I think, some hard feelings around that. But wasn't that God? Now, is it a proper definition? You also need to know the purpose of prophecy. A lot of people don't realize it. You need to know, if you, if you want to understand this gift and, and what God does. And let me just say this, too. When I say it's a gift, have to understand this. That just as God calls evangelists, he calls us all to share our faith, right? Just as God calls some people to be teachers, he all puts us in places to teach. He calls some to be administrators and all use at times administration. In the same way, God calls people to be prophets who somehow are characteristic in their tool bag of spiritual gifts. They tend to grab and use this one gift in a way that they get really good at it. Some people were really good carpenters, and some people are really good electricians, and, and, and you have this toolbox, yet they can stand to use the different gifts. So even in the sense there are people who are more prophetic or prophets, all of us have the ability to speak forth the word of God. There may be an occasion where he says, Kevin, you may not be this who you are, but I'm putting this into your heart. You take this. And speak it forth. So what's the purpose? It's not like people think to kind of like, God says do this. I never encourage, it's always, I sense the Lord is the way I would always encourage people to do it. 
that allows people to really understand and respond. But look, if you would, as we're going to look at this, the importance of using a gift. Is anybody um, use a gift in a wrong way? Use a tool in a wrong way? Like have a wrench and you try and pound with a wrench? Come on, raise your hand if you've ever done anything like that. Yeah. I want to tell you, you don't want to do that to tools, right? Here's the proper use. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 through 5. He's speaking to the church in Corinth who just the opposite rather than trying to control and help manage and give good direction and definition and, and, and taking confusion and pain out of this. He, he gives some ideas around the use of tongues and languages, but he, he compares it to what he calls to be the most important gift in some ways. And the reason I say that is because he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So people, whether you agree with this or not, I know in my experience with others, there is this thing called a prayer language. and, and, And it may encourage your heart and edify and strengthen you, but it really doesn't do a whole lot of good for others. Unless somehow there's someone who interprets that. Because it's a language you don't know. It's like singing Chinese without having the words up there, right? But he goes on to say this. Indeed, no one understands because they are from the mysteries of the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people. Here's, here's, here's the purpose. For strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. That's its primary use in purpose. Anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies, builds up themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies, builds up the church. And I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Isn't that interesting? But I'd rather, if I had my rathers, I'd rather have you prophesy. Because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up and strengthened. And Paul says, don't quench don't stifle the Spirit of God. I want you to understand its purpose. And the purpose of prophecy is often given, like I gave in that first story, where the person goes, man, I needed that. It's like God was speaking to me. It's like God, through one of his children, giving another one of his children a hug. Think of it that way. Or look at this picture. I, I love this picture. You matter. You hear me. You matter and you are loved. (laughs) We're a bunch of little kids like that to God. We think we're a lot more mature and bigger, but we're all little kids. I met with some people yesterday to pray at someone's house, and it was like a whole, it was so cool. It's like a whole bunch of people just coming around going, we really, you matter, we love you. You're going through a tough time, but we love you. That's the body of Christ. So Paul says, if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 39 through 40, when he's summing this up, it's a very interesting thing. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. We, you know, if we, we feel like it's that, we got to try and control it and disuse it. And he says, no, properly use it. Understand it's what, it's, what it is. Understand its purpose. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. He's making it very clear to them that it is not to be done in a way that creates confusion and hurt and pain. So even with the abuse and misuse of tongues, Paul says, don't forbid it, just use it in a selfless and constructive ways. 
But about the gift of prophecy, he says, be eager to prophesy. It is so meaningful in strengthening and encouraging others in the church. It is like a fire that fans the real presence and love of God in your midst. It's like God coming among you and saying, I love you. I hear you. I know you. You may not feel like anyone else knows your situation, but I know you. And so he calls for an understanding, not only then for its definition and its purpose, but the guidelines. This is really important here. So we're going to talk about it because Paul found it to be very important. He says, honor and use this gift. Don't treat it with contempt. Don't stifle its use. Don't scoff at those who prophesy. Don't stifle those who have a word from the Lord. And yet, don't be gullible. Because he is aware that it can cause great confusion and it can hurt someone. So in 1 Thessalonians, he says in that 21st verse of chapter 5, test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. I don't have time to go through all the word uses there, but there's a few of them that are really important. He uses this word, dakamatsa, which is a word for testing metals to see whether they're true. And then he uses the word um, hold fast. It's this idea grab hold of, and he doesn't use the word agathos, he uses the word kolos, which is that which is beautiful, and, and it's and it's something that, as you look in it and, and you see it, it just it's something you want to hang on to. And then he uses another word, um, which is idos, which means, he says, reject, get rid of, abstain, throw it away, and he uses this word idon, which is form. It's a real difficult word to translate, but what he's basically saying is there's going to be something said among you that look and appear good, but they're not. So you need discernment. That word to test the metals that I shared with you, dakamatsu, throughout the ages, as we see today, there are people who tried to cheat the system, and they did that in ancient days. In the ancient days, the tradesmen would um, check any suspicious coin they got, anyone they thought was maybe not genuine, and we'd, they would take it and they would throw it and, and, and hit it against a, sla- a stone slab to sound it. And if it rang shrill or it was dull or flat in its tone, they knew that it didn't ring true. And so, even if it looked really good, they would reject it. And what he's basically saying is test every word when it comes to see if it rings true. And if it does, hold on to it. If it doesn't, just toss it out. I don't care how its appearance. That's what that word, that form, I don't. I don't care what every kind it says or every form. So how do you know if it's a prophetic word? Get real practical here, okay? How do you know if it's a word from God? Well, the first one is this, is in line with the Bible. God never contradicts himself. If someone comes to you and says, boy, I had a word from God, and he said, it's okay for me to sleep around. Yeah, that's not, as Max Davis said, the Bible, the word of God is the plumb line that everything else is measured by. No person here is going to get a word of God that will go into the Bible or is on par with it. So just that's the first thing, okay? Does it, is it consistent with the word of God? The second is this. Does it resonate with your spirit and God's spirit in you? We don't emphasize this enough. As you get to know God's word and as you understand the Holy Spirit is in you, if you are living an honest life and seeking with integrity to walk with the Lord, you have a spirit and his spirit residing in you. So much so that he says, I will also come along and and help you understand whether it rings true. 
In 1 John chapter 2, verses 26 through 27, and they weren't carrying Bibles around even that day. So he says, these remarks of mine, he says, are pointed to those who would dearly love to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you in your hearts so that you don't need anyone to teach you what is right. For he teaches you all things and he is the truth and no liar. And so just as he has said, you must live in Christ, never depart from him. Hold on to Jesus. You have, if you've opened your heart to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit And if you're seeking to live a life that is filled with joy and and is in conversation where you know that you're not doing things that are displeasing to God and you're living gratefully, you are in a place where you can discern. You have the Holy Spirit. But there's a third thing because sometimes you get some things like you go, okay, like like when Dory came and said this, I, I couldn't read anywhere in the Bible, this is the people that you're supposed to have. You kind of go, well, in my heart it rang true. There was nothing in the word of God that could go against it. So here's something that is so important to do. Is the person that is bringing it to you, does, does it resonate as you have this word and, and you're with others and walking with them, does it resonate with mature and spirit-filled believers? That's why we think it's so important to be in small groups or be related to other mature believers. And when I say mature, it doesn't mean they've been in the church a long time. Be really careful. And I've heard, and I've said this before, you can have, um, you can stand in the garage a long time, you won't be a car. Okay? You can be in church, it doesn't mean you'll be mature. It means that you are living a life of integrity, growing in character, and, and the fruit is, it's not your spiritual gift. You may be really spiritually gifted, but are you growing in fruits? In love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, you check the Bible, you check your heart, you check with some others around you, who you know are people who are walking in the spirit and walking with God and his word. And then here's the fourth thing, and I put this forth because I don't want to get too caught up on this, but is the person a credible follower of Jesus? So what's amazing to me is that God uses donkeys to speak to people, right? In the Bible. So I say this because if a person has over time proven themselves and they've given you words and you know them and there's credibility. I, I am, you know, like when Dory gave me that word because of what I know of Dory and what I've gotten to know of her and there's other people that give me words, I just have a much greater sense of, I, try, I, I trust their hearing from God. Doesn't mean you don't test and discern, but I, I have a better sense because of their credibility before God. And Paul is adamant that we don't put the Spirit's fire out and we honor this gift, that we use it with wisdom, that we take the Bible, other believers, the Spirit of God within us and discern as best we can from those we hear from him. Are you tracking so far? Okay. Proper use then calls for understanding its benefits. Because if you don't understand the benefits, what good salespeople never sell a thing if other people don't think it's going to benefit them, right? You know, that's a really nice answer. Unless you understand its benefits, and the reason Paul says this is in 1 Corinthians, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts because he understood the benefits, especially that you may prophesy. And he concludes with this, brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy. It has a way of igniting and fanning the flame in your own heart, in the heart of believers, and it actually has an impact on those who are unbelievers. 
So the, the three, I could give you a bunch of benefits, but the, I'm just going to share with you three of them. It has great benefit, spiritual benefit to believers. A bunch of stories around that, I'm not going to give you any more on that. It has great spiritual impact on on unbelievers. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 23 through 25, he says if you're speaking in tongues in a prayer language, someone comes in, it doesn't do them any good. But if you're prophesying, a person who's an unbeliever could come in and go, wow, God is really among you. This just hit my heart, in a sense. Now, you have to understand, churches that day wasn't like this. You would meet in homes of about 20 or so people, and they would worship and sing together as best they could. Some maybe had really good worship singing, and they had good musical people. Maybe they didn't. They, re- they would read the Word of God, or someone would recite the Word of God. They would pray. And then at points, people would say, I sense this. They would share what God was placing in their heart, a, a prophetic word. And I'm sure what would happen in those situations is a person would share something and say, you know, I just have this in my heart for you and would share something. And that person who is an unbeliever would go, whoa, how did you read my mail? Or, whoa, that was so encouraging. Now, I, I am so grateful to our Chinese, for our Chinese ministry and I'm so grateful for Sai who um, has been leading it. She shared with me that she had um, one of her really close friends that had come to visit and how God spoke to her and through her. And she, she wrote me, Hi, Kevin, I felt compelled to write more about my experience. I had been talking to friends who are not believers. And then she went, dot, 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 yet. She has an evangelistic heart. She says, with my childhood friend, she grew up in Buddhism and her family and their families go into Buddhist temples on the mountains to burn incense and offer money to pray for a blessed year every year. And she said she grew up in a family that was really, um, there was little grace. There was, uh, in, in a family, this, this friend of hers was harsh and strict and, and wasn't a lot of a sense of love. She didn't experience much of that. And Sai had been praying and had been spending time with her because she came to visit this Christmas. And Sai felt led by the Spirit of God to share a verse of Scripture. It's one way God often works through prophetic words. He, he gave her a verse of Scripture that he, that she felt was from him for her. And she writes, here's how my friend received the verse. She read it in both Chinese and English. And she changed her about section in her social media profile info and put that verse in there. I was able to see God's grace and mercy touch her heart. Those words were, in, in size words, attractive and personal. Isn't that cool? We always talk about, you know, share our faith. We are so in our head and we want to share. What if we were open to the fact that God was going to use us as vessels and at times we put words in our, our heart and, and most of the time we're afraid to step out and share that. And God's saying courageously do it. I shared with you a few weeks back about the situation with my wife where um, she had been, I hope I get this right, asked to go to Starbucks and she was um, getting some coffee for a friend and she has never been, I mean, she doesn't go to Starbucks probably in eight years. And so that's like, a, you know, ever gone to some place where you don't know what you're really doing? You can be really nervous and really wondering and, and into yourself. Well, for some reason she was, she was, she was living in joy and she was open to the spirit of God and in this grateful place and she was there waiting to make the order and in front of her was a lady and she said, I had this deep impression I, that these words came to me, you look amazing. And she knew she was to share that with the lady in front of her and she just decided to, she does what I don't do, she just stepped out, 
shared it with the lady, and she started to just weep. Just started to cry. And she said, you have no idea. I have just come from my final chemo treatment. And, and, and those words were like life to her. I, I could go on. Um, I, we had Derek, who often has run the sound. He's from a sound company because sometimes we don't always have enough sound people. He came and started coming to church. And, and, and one time after doing this, about four or five times, he stopped me and I had him share. So some of you remember the story. He kind of accosted me on the way out and said, I've got to talk to you. He said, there are times when you're speaking, it's like, it's like God is speaking. It's like, how did you know? And he was like, ripe to want to know Jesus. And today he's in one of my small groups. Paul is so desiring for us as a church to not be afraid of this, but to use it properly. It strengthens the church community. He says in, in this, don't quench the Spirit's fire. In, in Ephesians 4.30, Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And there's really a difference here. Paul's saying, don't make the Spirit of God sad. But here it seems that he means something greater. Don't quench or put out the Spirit's fire activity within your community because of how important it is. Don't cut off his work. The gift is so important. This really hit me when I was teaching on this number a few years back. It's so important that Moses says that he wished that all people would prophesy. Did you know that? Listen to this in Numbers 11, 24 through 30. I'll conclude with this and then I'm going to have one story. So I'm getting ready to wave. <laughs> so Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. So he spoke forth. He wasn't foretelling. Remember, it's forth telling, not foretelling. It's probably primary in its meaning. He went out and told the people what the Lord had said, and he brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him, and he put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but did not do so again, because it was a work of the spirit. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp, so they weren't there, They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent, yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp, and a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, good old Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, let's stop it. Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are are you jealous for my sake? You think I'm the only one who can speak forth the word of God? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit on them. And then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Listen to that. That he would put his, guess what he did at Pentecost? You have the Holy Spirit. You may not be a prophet, but you may have opportunities to use, to, to speak forth this. And don't get caught up on what it means or all the it just is this in God's word? Is He calling us to, to to honor this and to step into this and to do it with the tests that He calls us to do? Because that's what the Spirit of God says. I wish you all could. And so, I'm going to ask the team to come forward, and I'm going to ask Lance Ling if he would come forward, and he um, 
is so gracious in doing this. Okay, so you need to know, this is not Lance's, um, I put Lance up to this. Okay, this is not what he would, he wasn't saying, I want to share, I, I heard about this just a, a, it's amazing to me when I start preaching on something God just allows, you know, it's because maybe you're looking and giving attention to it, but you just start seeing things. And I heard about this, and so I said, Lance, would you, you be willing to share? So Lance and Hillary have been coming to our church since about 2015, moved from the Boston area, I believe it was, to here to Minnesota. And um, I know that Hillary works with Mobile Hope with the Jujuskis, and you are involved in a Saturday small group as well as you guys as couples are involved in a Thursday night group of the Omens that do the sermon discussion guide things. Am I correct on this? So far. So far, okay. On target. On target, okay. Um, and succinct. Okay, okay. Let me, let me ask you then, if you just tell us what you do, because I think this is interesting. So, Okay, so the reason I moved here is because I... I'm a scientist, and I, uh, with God's blessing, came up with an idea for how to take um, live tumor cells from patients and put them onto a biosensor and determine if they have abnormal signaling and then whether or not a drug that's designed to treat that signaling would work for that patient. So I'm a scientist. Now, you're wondering why I asked him, because when I heard this, I went, whoa, I know this guy. He's data-driven. He's down to earth. He's he's not into weird. So, so that's what you do. So you had uh, um, an interesting experience not too long ago. Do you want to tell us about that? I, I did. It, it was interesting <laughs> and a little unsettling yeah. uh, because I am data-driven and it's sort of, uh, I guess, unusual. But I, was, I want to say before I start, though, that yeah. uh, I'm not any more special than any of you. And I think that that's what resonates with my story and what Kevin's talking about today. We're all special. God loves us all. And we all have abilities that if we're tuned into them, we can do incredible things for him. We can walk up and love people and change their lives in ways that we don't even suspect. So I was traveling in Texas on work. A friend of mine said, hey, let's go to church. Thought, oh, that'd be great. We'll go on Friday night. And while we were just like we are in the aisles here, someone came up to me and they started saying things that I was like, well, how do they know that about me? <laughs> I, I, they don't know me. And, and then they said, hey, I've got a word from God for you. It's a word of encouragement, a word of affirmation. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> you, you already know things about me. Of course, I'm <laughs> curious as a scientist, but a little worried that it's getting kind of on a place that I'm not familiar or comfortable with. But at any rate, the word was very personal. And as I said, this woman, there's no way she could have known the things that she knew about me that she was telling me. And the word of affirmation and encouragement came at a time when I really needed some strengthening. As you can imagine, my work isn't easy. None of your work is easy. But when you get to that place and you just need some word, and then all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and just tells you things that, well, it could only have come from God. There's no other way I can explain it as a scientist, but I can just tell you that it was an amazing thing. Short time later, a pastor came up to me and started telling me things completely different than the things that the other person was doing. It's like, well, where's all this written down? I mean, it's like, <laughs> I didn't write a biography. Um, but he had a word of prophecy for me. That was, again, amazing. So, 
Thank you. That's, those are the facts, ma'am. <laughs> and I just thought it would be good to hear that from someone than just me. So thank you, Lance. I know that was courageous to do that. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to stand.